We're no wizards, as you can probably tell. We can't do magic and we cannot cast spells. We just live our lives in the Monday normal everyday way. And I think we do it rather well. On this episode, Richard Simpson will speak to a game designer who happens to be working on a game which will have the longest ever name. And I guess the game designer is me. Welcome to We're Not Wizards. Um, my name's Richard. I'll be your host this evening. And um, I, I can't think of a title for this show, so I'm just going to call it the Best Cast. <laughs> there's, I don't think there's, Ooh. I don't think there's anything else you could call it after uh, after the intro that I've dropped in at the beginning. Because <laughs> joining me tonight is is Bez. Uh, Bez, I am Bez. Shariari, you are Bez. How are you doing, Bez? Are you well? I am doing very well. I am very excited. <laughs> I mean, I want to say that I've been like on videos, like at UK Games Expo. I was fortunate enough to have people come on and videotape me, but this is my first audio podcast, and I really love listening to podcasts, like cycling around. You know, you want to have something in your ear. I know, well, people say you might get distracted, but I say to them, hey, you live your life how you want to live your life. And, you know, I've got enough focus to cycle whilst listening to podcasts. <laughs> and so, yeah, I listen to lots of podcasts and enjoy them. We're not wizards included. Thank you very, very, very much. So um, what we're going to do tonight, this is a, <clears throat> it's kind of like a work in progress episode. Which means what we do is we get on a games designer, we talk to them a little bit about their history with the hobby, and we then have a little chat about kind of projects that they've been involved in. So, um, myself and Bez kind of have chatted back and forward through the UK tabletop Kickstarter group. So, mm. I put out the call and Bez answered the call. And Bez made up that rather lovely like song. <laughs> like the Batman. Where is he? Um, so. Use Batman. <laughs> so. I can just tell how this is going to go. You've put show notes, and I'm going to tell you there's no, <laughs> no reason to put any show notes now. Because there's no way we are going to stick to this script one bit. <laughs> um, for people who haven't listened to the show before, hello. Thank you for joining hello. us. Hello. <laughs> Hello, newbies. Hello, new people. Um, the reason that we do this is because there are quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. We have checked. There isn't. There's mm. no need for you, you to check. You have checked, apparently. <laughs> you have checked, apparently. Allegedly. The other reason <laughs> that we do this is because there's... You're going to realise pretty soon there's simply not enough podcasts that, that have bears in them. Basically, mm. we need more more bez and more stuff by bez. Um, oh, thank you. There you go. I am very flattered. <laughs> more talk like that will get you everywhere. So, um, as we as we normally do, we like to kind of like you know jump back into the past, hop into the present before we skip into the future. So, I guess, I guess you know, my first question is going to be. Well, my first thing is going to say thank you very much for coming along. I appreciate you spending the time and, and coming along tonight and, and having a chat with us. The second thing is going to be, how did you 
get involved in kind of like the world of, you know, board games and tabletop games and such like? Well, I actually got to board games in a kind of roundabout way through video games because so my first ever memory is of a spectrum loading screen i don't know are you familiar with the spectrum <laughs> yes yeah i'm very very familiar with the spectrum i was uh, i was a relatively um, young man when the spectrum was about but yeah i remember the spectrum loading screen i remember so yeah Oh, sorry. So this was like before I could actually walk, and it's only in retrospect that I realised what it was. My brothers were putting a cassette into the machine, and then all the sounds went. And you might have to quieten this, but went, <laughs> and like you know, it's a horrible noise. But I was seriously entranced by it because it was. I even though I was only a wane, I knew what a television was because I'd seen it before. But my brothers were able to interact with it somehow. And it was like a glimpse of another world, if you know what I mean. And so, yeah, I kind of went off. I played a lot of video games and I got super into them. Like, I've got literally many hundreds of SNES games at this point. All right, I okay. made up, like, I did a wee bit of programming on the TI 83 at school. Right. Um, do you know that graphics calculator? Yeah, I know the yeah I know the one you're talking about, Texas Instruments one. Yeah, and so like I made yeah some basic games and well not in the language known as basic, although I did that too on the BBC. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up going to Aberty University. All right. To actually study um, computer games technology was the course. Oh, cool. Name. Okay, so how did you get on with that then? What did, did you create a few games as part of your projects and stuff like that, at that side of things? So I was really disappointed with the course. I mean, I'm not dissing the course, hmm. I it, but it wasn't what I needed to have. So like, I've got a friend who I actually got reacquainted with really soon. He's um, one of the top geezers at um, Ninja Kiwi, like doing balloons and all that. Yeah. And... A lot of folk have gone on to do really good programming stuff, but that was the problem because it became more a course about the programming side of things. Yeah. And there was no design. And it was kind of like I found it harder and harder to keep motivated. And I was kind of doing what they told us to do. Yeah. But then adding all this extra stuff to make it a playable game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, okay. And then... It was at the stage where they basically had us make a telephone directory in a very particular way. And it's something you need to know how to do if you're a programmer using these pointers. But if you're just programming for the sake of getting your own games made, you don't really need to know that. And so, yeah, frankly, I failed second year twice and then went off, did some other stuff. Then I got into graphic design and I, meanwhile, I'd been kind of playing board games, which I got back into. Okay. Bizarrely online. So, do you know um, Bretspiel and like the Hive and all that? Um, like those on- online board game things? Yeah, I'm aware. I, I mean, everybody's kind of hearing about things like Tabletopia. I think there's a big. 
there's a big push a day nowadays for um, <coughs> like um, Kickstarter campaigns to consider doing kind of tabletopia versions of their games so people can effectively try them out. I know that um, that's something that um, Peter from uh, Inside the Box board games did for Subterra. I think you you can play Aye. Subterra on on table. I think it's table tabletopia or tabletop simulator, and his and Subterra ended up becoming one of the most popular kind of games to try while the while the campaign was going. Um, what can yeah, he did really well, obviously, and <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean that's like kind of more modern. And without saying too much, I'm talking like 2002, where things were a bit more primitive. And so it was all just done in a browser. So as someone playing it, it was a lot easier to get on with. Whereas I'm... So this is an admission. This is probably why I got into kind of making board games, because I really despise programming <laughs> okay and it's one of my least favorite things to do in the world i'm hearing so, that i'm hearing that already from you uh, from your from your course and stuff like that did you um i mean what kind of games did you what kind of games were you playing then i mean how did you jump from playing online were there any games you liked playing kind of online in particular at the time so you know Hive, the two-player abstract game? Yes, I love Hive. I've, so I've... that was one of the most... Po- I think it's called Board Game Net, but I've not been on there for about seven years now. Okay. But I played a lot of that and Plago, and these are things that I played maybe 50 times online, and then I eventually bought a copy. And then there were all these other abstract games like stuff from the GIF series, which has just had a renaissance and for because I know you love to tell people who don't know about games what they're all about. It's like this big series of games and where kind of the idea being that while you're playing one, you jump into playing another one when there's a move that goes. But you can also play them all all these modules as separate games as well. And I've never actually played it all as a big mega game in that way. But um yeah, I loved the GIF series and yeah, all these abstract things. And for me, it was just about exploring the space of the mechanisms. What about? Mm. I mean, you mentioned obviously. You've mentioned you know playing Hive. You mentioned you know playing that online. Um, so you played quite a few games on 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 the um, table.net. What was the first... Okay, going back into actual real cardboard, do you remember the first game that you played um, in cardboard in real life? So, I the early ones that I remember are Monopoly and Risk. I mean, yeah, I don't know which one it was. but um, And we had marathon sessions of Monopoly, and no, we did not use free parking. <laughs> and yes we played by the correct rules yes we did trading and all the things that everyone says oh if you do this and if you do this it's actually a good game no yeah. we damn well played by the correct rules I actually read the rule book at one point you know after we'd played about five games because that's how much I was excited by this and for us we actually had one variant 
which was like the vicious variants where basically if someone lands on your space and you forget to ask them for money, you don't get it. So like if That's the next player it's awesome. Yeah, so like it just forces everyone to pay a bit more attention when it's not their turn. Cool. After that, did you go into anything else? You've mentioned on um, you've got on the show notes which Bess has put together a remarkable set of show notes which even put <laughs> the amazing Patrick um Patrick Smith to shame in terms of how well produced these are. <laughs> including the lyrics to the song that were at the beginning of the show. Um You put Puerto Rico. Um, yes. So I mean, where, yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about I mean, how did you end up playing Puerto Rico? Well, it was basically so after uni, I came back to Glasgow. So Aberty, for those who don't know, is in Dundee, and Glasgow's pretty much next door. Um, and so, yeah, I came back home. I wasn't in the best of spirits. Like, I wasn't uh, maybe seeing people as much as I should be. But then I looked online and I found this place called Board Game Geek, which. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and then, so I did a search and it was basically through just um, Google and going Board Game Club Glasgow and then I found these people had a board game club basically in their house every week and the crazy thing is it was open invite. So if you just emailed a guy and he's still doing it, it's Ian Smith in Glasgow and if anyone's like wanting to play Euro games and are not sure where to go, He'll still, you know, accept you into his living room. And there has been, like, one person who has been, like, a nutter. Um, I'm assuming you'd rather I don't use absolute profanity on your show. Yes. Someone who... Um, there was a time when very horrible things happened as a result of inviting a stranger. But still, he continues to do this because you've got to trust humans, basically. Mm-hmm. And people are on the whole good. And so, yeah, I emailed him. He was like, oh, yeah, this is us. This is this person. Come along at this time. I went along and I was like, yeah, I've not played any games. And he was like, well, if you're interested in games, if you played video games so you know what you're doing, you're clearly interested in learning rules. Here's, And then it is kind of a fairly heavy going game. And at the time, it was, I think, number one on the Board Game Geek rating. So I was, like, super excited to play this. I was like, yeah, this I'm in, like, straight to the top. And I've only actually played it, like, three times now. But it was just the thing that opened up the world for me. And I would then start going there every week. And it would show me game after game. And these... Yeah, it was just amazing to have this world to open up. I don't know how to explain it. So for those who for those who haven't played Puerto Rico before, because as you said yourself, what we're all about is maybe mm. explaining how a game works to people so that if they've not heard it before or even if they have heard it and they're maybe a bit curious about it, how would you how would you describe you know, playing Puerto Rico, what what is it you would do in it? Well, I would say that Puerto Rico, the clever thing it does is that on your turn, so to speak, you select one of various actions 
and then everyone does that thing, but you get a slight, um, more slightly more powerful version of that action. So maybe you're wanting, and it's all about making goods, and it's a bit dry that whole trading in the Mediterranean, which some people make fun of. But you're basically building up factories, putting workers in and developing goods and growing crops and then selling them off for profit. Mm-hmm. And so when you're building, for example, you will get a wee discount on your building. And if you're shipping, you will get first dibs on what ships. And so it's all about the timing aspect. And it is a lovely game because it has that whole aspect of engine building, which you don't... That is one nice thing about Monopoly. I mean, people don't give it credit for being an engine-building game where, yeah, you do get these properties and then you get more and more money. And in the same way, like Puerto Rico, if you've only played Monopoly, I would say, yeah, Puerto Rico, that's a bit like Monopoly. I mean, people get all bent out of shape because people say it's a bit like Monopoly. But let's be honest, yeah, it's got a board. It's got cards. (laughs) And... Yeah, you are actually advancing your state. So at the end of the game, you are dealing in bigger numbers at the end. And there is that nice narrative growth. But at the same time, it finishes, you know, before you want to go home. And you can actually play multiple times in an evening. Oh, good. Which is a bit different from how we used to play Monopoly. (laughs) Exactly. Which could go on for days. And people would have to sometimes sleep between their turns as well. Um, yeah. So that got you started in the ca- cardboard road. I mean, at present, I mean, what would you say? Is there any games that you kind of like you play on a regular basis at the moment that you enjoy? Oh, I feel like I'm far more of a dabbler than someone who's like, oh yeah, this is my favorite game. I mean, I like lots of silly games like Jungle Speed. Do you know that one? Mm-hmm. Heard of it, yeah. So for people who don't know, it's like Snap, but a bit more psychotic. And okay. the beauty of it is that the patterns are sometimes very similar. So you think they're the same, but they're actually different. And then you're cursing yourself as you grab the totem, which is what you've got to do with a match. Um, I still love Go, the kind of ancient Chinese board game. Um, although I don't get to play it nearly enough. I do enjoy just really silly dexterity games like Super Rhino and um, so last weekend was the last time I played um, published games Yeah. and what did we play? Um, we played um, Super Bucket King 3D which was super awesome mm-hmm. um, if you know that that's um, yeah, basically about um, trick-taking and having to penalise people for putting down their buckets. I like pretty much, to be honest, anything which is short enough. And I don't like things that are super dry. I don't like games that make me feel bad. I don't like... Um, I love time travel as a theme. So I've never played Twilight Imperium or Eclipse Hmm. Although I'm not adverse to them, like it's probably more just a scheduling thing, to be honest. Hmm. But 
yeah, last time I was, well, in November I had to go off Scythe and I was really excited to play it. So I've played Viticulture, mm. I've played Agricola. All right. If, and so, yeah, I feel like Agricola is kind of also a really nice, elegant game because, yeah, there's a lot going on. But the beautiful thing about that is um, when you start the game, there's only a few spaces you can go. And then as the game goes along, you've got more and more spaces, so it's really easy to teach. And, yeah. What did you think of Viticulture? Because me and Colin, me and Colin have put that down as a game that we're going to play um, over the next couple of weeks before we do our next episode. So what, what did you think of that? Um... I've only played it once and I'm really loath to give too much into it. It hmm. felt um I wouldn't be in a rush to play it again. Alright. Um okay. I'm sorry, like I know I I I kind of feel bad sometimes, like if it's people that I don't know in real life, like in a way it's easier if it's your mate's game, then it's like, you know what? I don't like this game, and it's easier to say. Whereas, I don't know, because I've read Jamie Stegmeyer's thing, and although, to be fair, he's got lots of people who don't like his game, so I'm sure he's used to it by now. <laughs> it's the I don't mean thing. that more people don't like than, you know what I mean. Well, I know like, Just when you reach that level of aim, and, you know, when enough people have played your game, you're going to get... A lot good feedback and negative feedback, and it softens you up. I think. Yeah, I think I think you have to accept that people will be um, critical of your game at some point, and you have to. It can can be sometimes quite difficult to how to say is to you to to not focus on that one. Maybe not critical because this is the this is the confusion. You can, and um, I joke about this on on Twitter quite a lot about the ability to be able to criticise something isn't saying that you don't like it. The ability mm. to be able to criticise something is the ability to pick something, is to pick something apart but also to examine it and look at what works and what doesn't work as be whatever it kind of is which I'm sure Exactly like agree. a critic in the yeah. proper sense. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. To criticise something... This is the thing. To criticise something isn't thing is necessarily like... say it's terrible. You know, I I criticised that the other day. It's like, well, that... You know, I was... A, you know, I, I took it apart. I gave my kind of my opinion on it and stuff like that. And I think there's a push if... You know, I don't know. I guess... I'm a little bit of a creator. I'm not obviously creating games like yourselves and, you know... And, and you know Peter and on all the other people that we've had on over the over the past, um, I don't know how I would feel if I I guess I don't know how I would feel if I created a game, and then I got kind of like two you know two hundred people saying they really really liked it, and then get like maybe three or four people writing me emails telling me how much they absolutely didn't like it or or picked fault in it and stuff like that. I don't know how you would. Well, hey, it's a weird one, that. and it's also like um, the negative voices, I think, come earlier quite often. Like, for my first game in a bind, um, like, there was one uh, guy on Board Game Geek, and he gave it, I think, a one, or it was some low score. And then this was, 
I think just when I'd been sending gold of copies out, and I was really worried. I thought this was some backer who'd got the game and then they were super excited and was letting them down. And then I thought, so this is terrible. But then I actually kind of reached out to them and I said, oh, are you a backer? Like, what was wrong with the game? I'm really sorry. How can I make this right? And then they got back to me and said, oh, no, I actually just um, read the Kickstarter page and then I decided that it wasn't a game for me. So I rated it like this way because... That's my way of remembering that I've had a look at it and it's not something I'm interested in. Okay. Which <laughs> Exactly. So there was a method to him actually giving you one star out of out of the five, you know, for him. Yeah. That was a way of measuring something. Whereas it was in, it was probably a good idea you engaged with them. Because if you hadn't spoken to the guy, you would have sat there going, look at all my lovely <laughs> board game geek reviews and look at this guy who's managed to score it kind of like a one and he's kind of completely ruining my, my kind of my batting, my batting average. Oh no, it's still there. I mean, I he didn't take it away. <laughs> like he actually said, "Oh, if you want, to, if you want me to take it away until the end of your Kickstarter, I'll do that." Oh, but right, the Kickstarter okay. was already um, gone and done at this point. It was just, um, yeah, it was just a weird one that, and according to the rules of Board Game Geek, they are actually quite explicit. They say you can. Um, use the rating system in whatever manner you want. And so theoretically, if someone wanted to say, okay, for me, zero is the best and ten is yeah, the worst, exactly. that's completely in line with I'm going to mark this game in my top five. So if I, <laughs> if I give it a one, it means I think it's number one. If I give it five, it's going to kind of like be further down the list. <laughs> <laughs> that would be well, kind of cool. I mean, well, you were, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, we t- obviously, Viticulture, did you... Um... So, yeah, basically, I've only played that once, so I'm not in a position to do a critique of it. But, yeah. um, like, of games that I do feel comfortable, because, like, I don't know, do you know Michael May from Two Can Play This Game? Oh, yes. Yeah, Michael's going to so... be... Um, hopefully, Mr. May is going to be coming on the show. I know I'm. Oh. Um, we're trying to organise something so me and Michael can have a chat because Michael, as you say, he runs to can play that game, which is a. He's um we could say he's a friend of the show. He is um he runs a nice little sh- um YouTube channel called Two Can Play That Game, which is, I think he takes a game and he gives a, very, very light, very gentle, very easy to understand kind of um I guess critique of the game and at the end it's he like... yeah, he tells you whether or not he thinks it's suitable for two players, hence the two can play that game. Um or if he feels it might benefit from more people. So So I think he's like been moving away from it slightly. Yeah. And one thing that he did is like at the end of last year he started up a thing a couple of things um where he invited other people to submit video reviews of stuff. Yeah. And so this is something that I'd been wanting to try for a while. And then I felt, well, I don't know if... Well, I don't know if I really... I'm going to be able to commit to doing video reviews on a regular basis. But at the time, I was like, okay, I'll, I've got Takaido. I'll do a review of it. I'll see how it goes. Or, oh no, it wasn't... It was Takanoko. 
which is a lovely game about a panda. And then I played it. So I've like, seen um, that. It looks stunning. So I think I was the one person who didn't really like it because I think the big thing for me is I don't mind big games. I enjoyed Scythe and I would be willing to play it again. I, I love Demacker, which takes about um, like three to five hours. Yeah, It's like a game all about German politics, but it's really streamlined in a way and there's so much going on. And I feel like if... Everything, all the mechanisms need to pull their weights and they need to be suitable for who they are for. And Tak, I mean, yeah, Tak Noko, I wanted to be able to play it with my family and with non-gamers, but fundamentally it just wasn't quite light enough and there seemed to be a few things that I felt um, for a serious gamer, the balance was slightly off and so it wasn't appealing to either side, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad game, but for me, for the places that I would want to play it, it's not for me. You're allowed to say, I don't know, I think, again, it comes down to the thing, it's like, well, as far as I'm concerned, I didn't enjoy it, therefore I thought it was kind of bad. I think it's when somebody just looks at your game and doesn't experience it and they say it's really, really bad, that um, then you're kind of like, hmm, okay. You know, as I say, if they're going back to give you one star because they've looked at your game and they thought that they they kind of um, they didn't want to play. Well, it. the thing is, there's games that I would feel comfortable saying this is a bad game, and those are the games that I've actually forgotten the names of. It's not that I want to protect them or anything, <laughs> but the games where they are actually well known and people are enjoying them, that's generally for a reason. So yeah. I think it's if there's loads of other people enjoying it, I it's I can't really say objectively this is a bad game. But what I can say is, okay, for me, this just doesn't work. And that feels a bit more, I don't know, positive and just a bit more critical. Like, yeah, better way to live. But talking your games, okay? Because let's get okay. on to the meat, the meat, the crux. The reason that mm. you're on... Because you've okay. been quite, you've been quite a prolific little kind of Kickstarter projecty type person. You did in a bind, and then afterwards you did. Let me just see, Wibble plus plus. Yes. Um, and then um, what's in Bleather? Is that kind of something that's coming out soon? Yes. So um, yeah, Bleather is the thing that I'm working towards, and Wibble, I'm currently actually doing the final letter shapes not literally as we speak hmm. because that would be a bit too much of a distraction like i can't i can mean i can listen to a podcast while i'm drawing but i can't talk and draw if talk you know what i mean at the same time um, so like actually people so yeah wibble plus so um should we start from the future or start from the past I think that the past is a very, can, in this case, is a very, very good place to start. Because if we start with, um, let's talk about in a bind. Okay, so like basically, um, in a bind, I was loving board games, and when I was in Glasgow, I was playing tons, and then I tried to get more and more game activities happening, but it just wasn't happening. 
I try to get like a second thing going every month for the kind of games that I like to play. Because G3, where they play miniatures games, it's not quite my scene so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Like I can enjoy that, but it's not my number one enjoyment, if you know what I mean. So it was really difficult to get it off the ground. And then I went to London um, for unrelated reasons. And I was, well, amazed to discover when I typed into Google and play and meetup.com, um, board games, blah, blah, blah. And there's London on boards that now it's pretty much meeting up literally every weeknight and every weekend. You can play board games that often if you want. Yeah. And yeah. there was a thing, um, Playtest UK, which was meeting once a month. And whereas in Glasgow, I had um, taken things a couple of times to my friend, my best friend, where we met each other like once a week for a personal kind of evening and a literally random walk and playing games in London. And I'd show him this game and I took a game that I made a couple of times to places where people were expecting to play actual published games yeah because that's the only place i could take it there was nowhere else whereas now um there are other places and in london which is amazing there was playtest uk and at the time it was twice a month which it doesn't sound like that much but if you're working towards it and you're building the next version of your game and you're guaranteed a slot and it's like yeah everyone comes everyone's making a game if your game is totally dire, if it's terrible, it doesn't matter. We are all designers. We're all, you know, positive. We're all propping each other up. If it's bad, we'll tell you it's bad, but we'll tell you how to improve it. Yeah. And it was such a supportive environment. And it was because of that and the guy, you know, feedback from other people that I was able to make in a bind. And it's basically... So it started... It ended up being a totally simple game where basically you pick up a card, draw a card, read it out loud, and then you do what it says. So it's things like right hand above elbow, or one finger touching nose, or two hands touching. But you still need to draw your next card, so it gets more and more difficult because you need to do all these things simultaneously. Right, so that's where the kind of the inner bind kind of name comes from. So if you're twisted and turned up and everything like that, it's yeah, that's what exactly what it means. You're in a bit of a bind. Um, when I mean it, um, it funded. I mean, yeah, I mean, what, just. <laughs> were so you, I were you had were you, were you, were you were, days. Yeah, and it. I got. I had 173 backers. Fifty of them were on the last day. How did that make you feel when it backed? I'm just pausing so I don't use expletives. (laughs) It made me feel amazing. It was basically just on the penultimate day, I had like 120 backers. I'd asked for like £3,000, which is what I thought I needed Mm. to basically do the printing and not be out of pocket. Mm. You know, I didn't want to make money. I just wanted to not be out of pocket fundamentally. And... um, then, on the penultimate day, I'd 
you know, gone up before to Edinburgh to show it to my friends. Some of them had seen it. And then my one of them said to me, I said, oh, yeah, I don't think this is going to happen. I'm giving up. And then she said, no, you can't give up. You need to actually message everyone on Facebook, get under a case, tell them if you want this, then back it. And so I started just from like the morning and it was meant to finish at 11 p.m. on the Sunday. I started just messaging folk. And more and more people are like, oh, yeah, well, Bez knows about games and hopefully Bez is going to make a good game. And, hey, it's a funny video, so let's support Bez because Bez is a friend. And so basically it was pretty much my first Kickstarter was that final push, that final 50 people was through people just saying, yeah, we're going to support Bez because Bez wants this to happen. And, yeah, and I'm... Super grateful, fundamentally. Because it, it's—I mean, it's one of—it's one of these things like um, it's like code names, or you know, it's one of these games where the the kind of the premise behind it and the idea behind it is extremely simple, and yet the game itself will play out depending on how serious or how silly. The kind of the people want to be. It is like code names. I mean, you can. I mean, I've played. <laughs> well, I was playing code names with my um, with my kids the other day, and the randomness that, um, especially my son, comes comes out with trying to connect words together, and you can see he's going through an entire story in his mind to connect two words to connect the phrase that you say, based on the card on the the actual deck, and I think he's. Um, what did he say? I think um, it's a the word that, puzzle. Well, yeah, the word would, the word that was on there was green. So he said he said orange or something. Oh, like I know. And a bit, I can see that. That's but, clever. <laughs> but the other thing that was on there, there was like an apple on there as well. <laughs> so I was wait. Like, so so, so it was, was it orange too? Well, no. I, no he picked he his sister who was doing the picking picked apple. Because he said orange, he went no green. It's like, well, how is it green? You know, because it's like the rainbow. It goes red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, <laughs> violet. And I was like, where'd you get this connection with? And then I went, you know, in a funny way, I would have probably said the same thing <laughs> to connect it up. But that's what I can see with it. Just looking at it in a bind, you could have, depending on, I guess, the type of group that you have and who's playing with you. They would find it kind of kind of hysterically funny. Apart from um, the guys that, you know, did you get feedback from the people that have played it, who backed it? Did you get any feedback from yeah. them? Is it something you play on a regular basis still yourself? I so I try to not push my own games too much, if you know what I mean, because right. it seems like that would be a bit egotistical. If every time I had people round, I was like, okay, we're going to play in a bind first. I mean, I kind of, yeah, I try not to do that. Actually, my house rule is when you come to mine, you need to play, we didn't play test this at all, Legacy. Really? Yeah. I'm completely different. It's like when when we're driving anywhere in the car, it's like, so um, do you want to hear the new Rag and Bone Man (laughs) album? Or shall 
I don't think <laughs> any of you have listened to the Jamie Stegmaier We're Not Wizards episode, have you? <laughs> oh, Dad. But, um, no, kids are good. You can put them to uses like um, having them download all your episodes on multiple occasions so it <laughs> drives up the number of downloads that you have. I've got a regular little cottage industry going out through my son's place. Ah, so you class. don't farm that... <laughs> Oh, so you formed that out to English kids <laughs> rather than Chinese. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, you know, I think um, yeah, it's uh, it's well, uh, you know, there's um, there's ways and means. No, that's that's not true. Um, it is true. No, it's not true at all. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. But um, no, you're not. That's what's going no, to I'm pick just... you up on. Like <laughs> this kidding. whole running gag on all this. Oh yeah, I'm going to edit that out. No, then you never no. do. No, I and... never bother. I've I've no sh- I've no shame whatsoever, but um, what I mean, f- the feedback that you've had in in a bind of people really enjoyed the game. No, I'm really yeah glad to say that yeah I've got a bunch of reviews and yeah I think at the end of last year I actually made a page of all the reviews and I think there's one negative review I've had like as in um well. Well, including the Board Game Geek comments, there's probably another couple of them. But in terms of someone actually writing a review, there's just the one. And then there's a good few people who have written reviews or made video podcasts even without me asking them to, which is super amazing. And then them just saying, oh yeah, we absolutely love this. And I love the fact that when people... I think it's kind of like code names in a different way because it's all about the interactions between the cards. Like, if you play one game and you get these 10 cards, next game you're going to get maybe a couple of the same ones but a different eight. And it's all about the combinations of how exactly you've got to move your body because it's not like Twister where you've just got to do four things and then it stops. Yeah, it seems like you can do... Well, I mean, looking at the... The cards on the Kickstarter campaign. You did um you did a kids version. Yes, yeah, so was, like Yeah. That was my second Kickstarter and it was basically because yeah, I'd gone through in a bind and then people had enjoyed it that much. And then I basically thought well, people actually said to me, if you had a kids version, we would buy it. And so I thought, well, if people are asking for it then I probably should make it. And so, yeah, that's why for that Kickstarter, I put a super low funding goal because the shop had already told me that they would buy a bunch of it. And I maybe trusted them a bit too much because they ended up buying a much smaller amount than I expected. Um, But um, no, it did go well. And generally through everywhere in total that sold it, you know, people have enjoyed it, and it's just honestly, I feel it's a weird one because when you make a game as simple as that, it's not just your work. Like, I'm not trying to undermine the amount of work I did, but it's also some degree of luck in that anyone could have stumbled onto this through a different way. Yeah. And it is like, um, also, I feel very much the need to appreciate, you know, everyone who got me here, like the Kickstarter backers. But like, yeah, with the junior version, it was like, yeah, I'm going to make a version for four to eight year olds. And it was crazy. And I tested it on my nieces 
And it was really interesting to see what they could do and what they couldn't do. Like, some people can't close just one eye. And my four-year-old niece really struggled to wink. And this wasn't something I'd imagine. And I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to take out left hand or right hand and just make them all hand. Because, you know, when it's a four-year-old, when they're just struggling to read, let alone work out left and right, you don't want to make it too difficult. No, you don't. And so, no, in the end, I'm really happy with how In a Bind went. And, yeah, I've been, like, had so many people asking for it. Like, um, yeah, people want to buy it. And there's, like, a shop that they don't even go through the distributor. They just used to send me an email and say, hey, we need another 100 copies. And it's brilliant. And, um, yeah, it's, like, hopefully vindicated by, yeah, like, should I still talk about, like, the whole publisher thing? It's your night. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. wow. (laughs) You, Monsieur Ambassador, you're spoiling us. (laughs) No, I mean, you mentioned that... um... You self-published, didn't you? Because you mentioned that you yes. had you had been offered kind of like a couple of deals from a couple of uh, a couple of different places. Yes, like I mean, during the Kickstarter itself, like I was actually approached by Travis of Indie Boards and Cards, and they do the Resistance and um, some a bunch of other games, but like that's the one that some people might... And I think Flashpoints is theirs, and there's a whole bunch. But yeah, yeah, this was like a a big, fairly legitimate company, and star in Barnes & Noble. And I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. And this is someone that I never thought would contact me. And then I actually thought about it, and then he was offering me, you know normal industry rates you know he wasn't trying to rip me off or anything he was offering me a good deal and then I talked to a couple of people at London on board and I was thinking well I could either go this way or what if it super takes off because at the time I had crazy dreams of it selling millions which you never know it might still happen but um, also in the end I decided not to do it because I want I thought okay, I could sell it, it'll come out, I'll get a little bit of money, but the money that I get from that, I'm if I've already kind of done the legwork and I'm already happy to do the art and all the publishing myself, then in a way that's kind of a learning process and that's actually something I quite wanted to go through, if you know what I mean. No, that's cool. No, no, I understand completely. And it just seems like the... Fundamentally, from a cold analytical point of view, the risk the risk reward wasn't worth it, and I never and it was like during it, like when I was playtesting it after the Kickstarter, like I had um, a bunch of other companies like say, oh yeah, we would be interested in this, and because they were kind of small to medium, I said, oh, not sure, and then like it was. When this like company called Uba and they are like kind of um very close to Hasbro and they basically do a lot of toys and then they said, Oh yeah, we'd like to take you out for a meal 
And so they took me out for a really nice meal. And then they basically spent the day telling me that if I gave it to them, I would have to accept that they make any change they want and I'd have to totally give it up. But they can offer me a lot of cash, which would then basically allow me to make future games. Mm. And I went home kind of thinking about it. And then I thought, you know what, if the amount of money that they're talking about, if it could make that, then actually for that amount of money, yeah, I would give up my rights because I had um, all these ideas about doing multiple decks and all these expansions I might do. And I had like a whole game plan, but I thought like I wanted to have one expansion for like stuff below the belt. So it's like when you're sitting in the park, have your foot on a knee and all that. But um, then like after that, I was like, you know what, maybe that's something I should do. And then my friend was selling it to Nesson on my behalf, which was super awesome, like Dave Cousins of North and South Games. And then he showed it to Jigamik and Ravensburger. And both of them came back to me and said, we would like to have this. And long story short, in the end, I went with Jigamik because they were basically... It's yet to come out under the new version. It's going to be called Yogi. So it's kind of not just in English, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no, and that's cool. Their version, like they're talking about like um, twenty thousand for the first print run, which it's not like millions or anything, but like for the first print run, I think that's like a good commitment. That's a pretty and decent amount. If I mean, if you think about the number of people that, um, if you think about the number of people that would normally get a Kickstarter, I mean. Um, I keep going back to Subterra, but that's because I know the figures on it. But I mean, they, 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 <clears throat> I mean, they did a successful campaign, but it was six and a half thousand people that ended up getting their game for a game yeah, that raised three hundred and fifty thousand pounds. So, if you think about you, if you're getting a print run of twenty thousand copies, considering most Kickstarters, and you'll know this with the number of backers that you've had in previous campaigns, <laughs> to get twenty thousand, that's not a it's not oh, bad. No, it's, it's not a bad job at all. Not it's just amazing, and like honestly, like it's been really nice working with Jigamik because in the contract, I don't know if you know about French law, but what's his name? That Bruno, Fa- you know Bruno Faduti, I think his name is the guy who made Citadels. Yeah, yeah. And he was having this whole thing about the difference between artists and inventors in France, because in France there is no word for designer. And so so whether you're an artist or inventor, it's kind of, it's got very different, what's the word I'm looking for, connotations. Yes. It's got, and also it's got different legal ramifications. So basically, um, because I'm an artist and things need to be shown to me, like, fundamentally, it's not like I can just say, oh no, don't do that. I mean, they are still the publisher. I'm still saying, oh yeah, you've decided that's the right thing to do. Okay, I wouldn't do that, but you do that. And okay, I would rather it was all my artwork, but yeah, that guy's artwork does look good. Yeah, that's fine. So I'm not like um, trying to put up obstacles for them. 
But at the same time, there was like one small thing that they wanted to do, and I was like, no, this one card actually matters um, in the game. And this card that was in the original deck, which was right hand, right of elbow, that's the worst card. That's the only card I was unhappy about yeah. out of the original 54 card deck. I know that sounds like a really small thing. No. But um, because I've played it and seen it played like hundreds of times, probably not thousands, but I've definitely played it many hundreds of times at this point. And. I've seen that people understand, take maybe two or three seconds to understand that card. Sometimes it's even like, if they're drunk, it can take them like 10 or seconds or so, and it's really painful. Whereas every other card you get like that, you get in an instant. And so now it's replaced with, I think, right hand above left hand, which there's no confusion. And um, yeah, just really tiny things that they show me and then they keep me updated and it's meant to come out this summer so I'm super excited to see how it does. Cool, cool. Wibble. Wibble ah, is yes. Wibble. So let's touch on Wibble quite quickly because there's two more things I do want to go into a little bit more. But Wibble was a game which is it's how to look at it, it is kind of like giving a five-year-old kid some colouring pencils and <laughs> a couple of pieces of paper and basically saying, there you go, there's your basics for you making a game or making, you know, drawing a butterfly or making yourself um, a little fan or here, make an airplane or scrunch it up in a ball and juggle with it or something like that. The, the We're going basis, quite far with this metaphor. Well, the basis I see behind <laughs> Wibble is quite simply that it is, it's a gaming system that allows you to generate various different games out of that gaming system. And your idea with Wibble was to create a system that you could then release kind of variations or ideas of games that people could play based around the Wibble system, yeah? Is that right? Pretty much. So, like, I should... Um, I hope you don't mind me correcting you. So, like, the system is called Wibble++, Plus mm Plus, -hmm. and that's the name of the deck of cards. And then the... There is one game in there called Wibble, but um, Wibble++ Plus Plus is basically a deck of 48 cards. Each card has a pair of letters. And then there's an old yeah game called Prolix. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's been re-released no. as Wordsy. All right, okay. And so it's by the guy called Gil Hova. He made um, Bad Medicine and The Networks and um, Battle Merchants. But um, this was his word game. And what I loved about it is you don't have to be limited by the words available. You had all these let I mean, by the letters available, you had a bunch of letters, and then you had to use a word using as many of these letters as you could. And so you were rewarded for making really long words, rather than it being like Scrabble, where you just do a tiny thing. And so I kind of wanted to distill that down to the essence, 
And I ended up with, this was in the first game, you had cards um, with pairs of letters and then you had to use one letter from every card and then you would collect them. And okay. as you got, as you um, get a card, then it goes in front of you, you've got more cards and you need to use a letter from every card. So the more, the better you are doing, the harder it gets. And I then, during that year, this was actually just two years ago. Wow, time, it, and it feels almost like a lifetime ago because I was working on this and then I was working on all these um, different games trying to churn out ideas. Like on Board Game Geek, I had a blog where I was doing like a game idea every day. And then... I noticed that lots of my things would actually be playable using the same components. And it was when I took it to UK Games Expo and a guy called Andrew Dennison. So I had at that time like a storytelling game, a dexterity game and the word game. And then Andrew Dennison came up with a totally different game all about just using the letters as their place in the alphabet, like a totally abstract game. And I thought like, that's so clever. And I would never have invented that. And the fact that he did that using my components, that's what then made me think, okay, this needs to be a game system. And I'm not just going to release this and say this is one game because Wibble on its own, I think, was good enough that I could have released it for like a £9 deck and felt very much justified. But um, what it is now is like I've got um, like designers because obviously I'm going to playtest UK and there's like 13 playtests a week no sorry 13 playtests a month that would be crazy a week um, <laughs> but um, so like I, I hang out with like David Brain and um, Dave Cousins and Dave Mortimer and people on the internet even like have started saying oh yeah actually I've got this idea for this and like the cardboard Edison people have said oh while we were playing your game, we thought of these ideas. And it's just kind of everyone keeps thinking of things. And I kind of want my big, what I really want to do, like my big ambition is to have like a website where you go and it's like, okay, these are everyone. When you have a game idea, you type in a little form and then it goes into a thing and then people vote on it. And then Mm. when it, and then like, Maybe people work on each other's game ideas, and then, like at a certain stage, I I might say, okay, this game idea, like this, is clearly the one that should be developed. I put like a few months of concentrated work into it. I tighten it up. I make it as good as it can be, and then write up the rules. And you know, professional proofreading does help so much because I've given the rules for. So in the deck, you get rules for five very different games. And I've given them the rules to Rachel Mortimer to proofread. I'm like, I'd love for it to be, you know what, there's five games in the box, but go to this website and there will be hundreds more. I mean, what I'm currently aiming for is 26 by this time next year. That's a pretty good aim. That's a pretty good aim. So moving on. And you can check out Wibble because um, if, again, as usual, um, Bez will give us all the links for the 
show notes so we have notes to show but um <clears throat> this has been the pot this has been the bed cast bez cast but on the other side oh. of it bez day so, bez day yes so before we go into the next, on bez day right what's bez day about explain bez day so bez day is basically it started because when i did in a bind I was running late. I ended. I know Kickstarters often run late, but it still doesn't feel good when you're okay. I promised you this, and I'm not living up to that. That it it brings you down a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I wanted to make it up to the backers, and so I um, finally got it to backers, like about UK Games Expo time, which it would be um, yeah, start of June. And then I said, okay, I've got to it to you. And so, out of respect to all of you guys, because you put the money early on, I'm going to wait some time before putting it out into shops. And so, I picked, I said, okay, I'll give you two months so you get to play it and have fun with it for at least two months before anyone else. And then I said to all the shops, do not release it before 1st of August because I've made this promise to everyone. And then... Basically, I think that was a good thing to do, like, showed respect. And then next year, with my Innerbind Junior, that was delivered to backers um, around UK Games Expo. And then again, I realised, hey, wait a minute, I basically need to release this on 1st of August. And during UK Games Expo, I realised, wait a minute, this is an opportunity, this should be a tradition. I mean, I've already done it twice, <laughs> Why not do it like twenty times? I so mean, best day was born. Yes, exactly. So, like, I wrote, I decided what's going to happen is I'm going to try and do make it as much of an event. So, like, the idea is that, like, as long as I'm able to work on game design, there will always be a game for sale on best day, which is first of August. But. I'm not wanting it to just be about people giving me money because that seems a bit, you know, self-centered. And so I want it to be a bit about, you know, bringing what can I get to other people. And so I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is all the previous people who had something of mine I or had backed a Kickstarter project of mine, I gave them like a free wee downloadable thing, a print and play game. Yeah. I had a print and play game that was available to everyone, like a totally different one. Um, I went on Twitter and I said, okay, as long as you do hashtag Bezde, hashtag art request, and at stuff by Bez, then I will draw anything that you do, that you write. And I think the most bizarre request was of Boris Johnson hogtied with a gag in his mouth on a diving board whilst the Lone Ranger and Yoda look on. And <laughs> yeah, I think he was quite happy with my, you know, it wasn't like a very laborious drawing. It was like a quick 20 minute sketch, if you know what I mean. But it's like, yeah, I think so. This year, I'm probably going to say there was that I'll do as much as I can because Last year, I must admit, there was like one thing I didn't get to, which was purely because it was 
a super boring thing. I know this sounds really bad, but I was I wanted <laughs> to do it, but, but I was just like, um, no. it would have taken me ages, and I, I kind of felt all this pressure because he wanted like a logo for this thing, and it sometimes you've just got to. I think if you're doing arts requests, you've got to probably just say, you know what, I if I'm if it's going to stress me out, I won't do that one thing. And so, yeah, basically next year, so, well, this year, 1st of August, yeah, there's going to be a free gift of some sort for everyone who backed it. So I don't want you to back my Kickstarters just for that. Um, I want you to back them because you want the games that I'm talking about. And then there's going to be a new thing for release, which is going to be Wibble++ in shops. And so if you don't get it from the Kickstarter, 1st of August is the first day you can get it. Um, and then, but if you are a bit short of money, there'll be like a print and play thing. There'll be, um, you know, do some art requests. And also in London, if you are able to get to my in real life party, I've got like already booked a bar um, called the Loading Bar, which has Tabletop Tuesday anyway, which 1st of August 2017 is on a Tuesday. And I'm That's taking it cool. over. There's going to be like... Um, you know, special prizes going on, special games, and things that can only happen with, and it, you know, physically, if you know what I mean. And yeah. so, yeah, hopefully, like, people will get a kick out of it, however they engage. I want it, I don't want it to be like, a, oh, you must do this. But basically, if you put it on your diary, if you engage with it, then hopefully you will feel, oh, it was worth me doing this. And it's kind of, yeah, it's for publicity. But I'd also like to think that eventually, if one day I'm rich and famous, then I can be like Santa Claus, and it can be like a, se- a second Christmas, and it can be like the day when Bez gives presents to everyone else. So what's next? I mean, what's the next project that you've got coming up? So the next, um, the direct next thing after Wibble++ is... Well, you can call it a game wherein you bladder for short, or bladder, or bladder game, or whatever, because the full title, I'm not sure you have time for it. Okay. <laughs> Although, actually, like, would it, would it be too much for me to say the full title? I'll well, tell you what, tell you what, go for it. Excellent. Okay, so the full title of my game is, hold on, I'll have a wee drink of water. Prepare now, we're going to have a drum roll, mm. and I'm going to just present, present to you Bez, and Bez is about to announce his name of his board game. Have a seat, sit back, relax, because you ain't going to hear this on any other board game podcast. Bez, the floor is yours. The name of my next game is A Game Wherein You Blether. A Scottish word, meaning to talk at length, at a fast rate, ranting, hypothesising, narrating or speaking in some other manner, without necessarily making very much sense, using as many word cards as possible, as you spout a stream of consciousness before the time runs out, mainly designed by Bez, Berhuz Bahman Shahriori, and originally inspired by a short list of long tabletop game names, with an associated competition to find the longest game name, which Bez willfully misinterpreted as a challenge to create that game with the longest name. First conceived 
imagined and discussed with JP Train in summer 2015, after a sweaty day out in the steamy park, as we realised that simply using plenty of words might make sense of a ridiculously long title, mocked up and tried with Robin Harris, founder of Playtest UK, and Mike Kabeji, who both said it could be a hit, talked about with others I respect, such as Ben Neumann, who I usually call American Ben, due to his nationality, briefly shown to Andy Hopwood, along with Heather Ramsden Fletcher, when each card still only had one word, during a party in Birmingham that was celebrating the launch of my first published game, In a Bind, had its name influenced by Dan, during a testing session with Daniel Barker, Gwen Mott and Leo Marshall, when Dan declared that the blethering should be pointed out as a key factor. Commented upon by the smart, intelligent, analytical David Brain, Paul Mansfield and various others, at various occasions in the Royal Festival Hall, enjoyed by Gotcha Balkan, Tufam and Gerald Musset by a tree on a sunny day, and the idea of topic cards was born, before we improvised music with each other, stuck to as part of a business plan wherein Bez decided that this would be the game to kickstart in 2017, mutated into having individual decks for each player, for simplicity of bookkeeping, was shared with wonderful friends Kieran Symington and Jennifer Witt, who turned out to be a natural blatherer at their new home, Tested by peers Hugh Band and Papal Parrot Simpson, Conrad Borowiecki, Vicky Dalton and Ian Vincent, who presented a great idea for a finale at Alan and Charlie Paul's Designer Day, shown to Andrew Harmon, Andy Yango and Dave Cousins, who, though it wasn't their usual kind of game, could not help but laugh at Tenfield, had the rules read through by Henry Weston, John Brieger and Ben Walker in the pub on a Monday evening to test their ability to cook any information, was then further blind-tested by William T.F. Miles and Brad Torres, who is super awesome at editing and suggesting rulebook tweaks, was shown at Dragon Days via blind-testing and played first by Mike Morelli, Liam Bean and Marta Borowiecka, who unfortunately was given the false impression that it was meant to be a storytelling game, instigating my, arguably excessive, use of the words blether, blatherer and blethering, to distinguish this from such games and set correct expectations. And then by the enthusiastic Mia Ertegrol, Dr. Mike Reddy, and his daughter, Hester Jones Reddy, who struggled slightly with some of the words as she was still only nine years old, was laughed at, marvelled at, and discussed by Mark Cook, Andrew Shear, and Brett Gilbert, who proposed the rule that removed the confrontation deck that used to exist, and Sarah Kennington, who suggested a Kickstarter for an audiobook version of the Comprehensive Rules at a fun industry event. Blind-tested, implementing Brett's rule by Mike Nod, Fabio Lopiano and Giovanni Poetti at the Jugged Hair on Vauxhall Bridge Road. Had some feedback thrown into the mix by Jen Freeman, Mark McKinnon of Wreck and Rune fame and Ian Brocklebank, who instigated the two words per side, not just one, at Aircon Free, the best convention I've ever been at, although I'm biased thanks to In a Big Bind, a giant version of my early game that involved even more ridiculous challenges. Was heartily enjoyed by Patrick Burke, Karen Davis, you, now impartial regarding papal parrots, Simpson, at a housewarming. Was tested at another Sunday jugged hair meetup by Brieger, Beji, Greg Solsitz, Yostan Tuma, and Dave Wetherall, who suggested that the topics be put onto the cards, an idea that I was then almost certain would be overly graphically busy. Had some graphical experimentation done, was then taken to Glasgow Games Festival run by Nick Pittman with a quick set of 300-something illustrations and entertained Evangelos, who didn't want to give a surname, Marina Annaplietti and Roy Shearer, Joyce Drummer, 
to subsequently flatteringly charming hosts of Meatballs Anonymous, Ross Bingham, Kaylee Bingham, Si Shanji, who later amazed me with his magical sleight of hand, Mitch McKay, Fee, Neil Bowser, Milne, and Justin Jones, who suggested that cards be put to the back rather than ever given up on and discarded, pretty much finalising the game, was taken to Dragon Meat 2016, now focus testing to determine whether a Sandheimer might be a worthy inclusion, and enjoyed, essentially in its final form, by Gotcha, my wonderful friend, helping me in demo in a bind, Max McDonald's, Delio Passaris, Matthew Josh, Justine, who generously gave me very tasty frozen strawberry treats, Jason Hodgson, Sanchez Sharma, Hannah Ward, Zev Van Essen, and Adam Dwatcher, was played for the first time entirely for pleasure around the turn of the year by Atta Shindig, by Bowser, Paris, and Brun, was showcased one night at Peter Blenkarn's office, whilst Angie Han, Nick Smith, Andrew Lasblas, Dennison, Kate Brown, and Hugh, no mention of Papal Pirates, Simpson, enjoyed a few games of it, was heartily enjoyed by Oscar Rolly and Eleanor at London Anime Gaming Convention, whilst Chris watched on and suggested lewd editions, was shared with friends, Danny Parker, Lynn Parker, Alex Puss, Entman, Kapusniak, Mona Bozdog and Gary, and had more ideas for topics suggested when Bez visited Dundee for a reunion after six years' absence, was showcased at Geek Retreat, and specially enjoyed by Connor Moyer, Daniel Espinosa and Billy Sparling, was shown off at a preview party in Edinburgh, to Stu Allen, Joel Tangham, Rebecca Mitch, J.L. Brady, Bertie, Sarah and several others, was showcased in Glasgow for Bowser, Brian, Vince, Mark McKinnon of ever-increasing Wreck and Rune fame, Danny Lynn and Kerry, and will be kickstarted in June-July 2017, hopefully resulting in an amusing game to make you laugh, titter, chuckle and guffaw that is basically about allowing ladies, gentlemen and any who do not wish to be so defined to watch and listen to other folk prattling, babbling, gibbering, jabbering, going on, running on, rattling on, or away, yap, yap, yapping, chattering, pattering, and just having a bit of a blether. Um, kind of missed it in the middle bit, so you'll have to do the whole thing again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking you. Um, okay, so um, yeah, take it you're just putting the word blether on the actual box then. No. Are you going to go, you're going to put the whole thing on? That's it, that is the name of the game. That's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> So the box um, is a larger box than my previous ones. It's not just a tuck box. It is basically, um, so if you didn't follow that, it's basically about going through a few cards. Like you start off with 10 and you go through them using one word from each card as quickly as you can in a kind of nonsensical bladder. And then, and for Americans, I guess that's a bit, yeah, what, how would you define bladder? If you're an American, I mean, I like know. talking nonsense, kind of. Well, as I said, yeah. speaking without necessarily making much sense. And then, yeah. but the thing is, the better you do, the more words cards you get. So by the end, you might have to go through forty cards, and then you're trying to use one word from each card, and then you're running, f- racing through them, and it almost becomes like a stream of consciousness. And, yeah, you just come out with any old thing and quite often it devolves into maybe crude violence and sexual themes. And you get to um, 
learn a little bit about people, I guess. But it is, you don't want to read too much into it because it's just you trying to mash these words together and it's just sheer entertainment watching other folk struggle with this mass of words. <laughs> so when's the Kickstarter out? It's on 30th of May. 30th of May. So um, what we will do as normal is when we have the the more information, we will make sure that it's added to the show notes. Um, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where's the best? <laughs> where where's the best? Where can they find you? Okay, um, so I have a website. It's not very good, but you can go there, stuffbybez.com. Okay. Um, sorry, I shouldn't be down. I need to get to web designer. I'm just being honest, but <laughs> softbybez.com is where I am. So it's S-T-U-F-F-B-Y-B-E-Z. But okay. also I'm on Twitter and softbybez. And yeah, if you go there and you at me, then I'll kind of always see it. And generally, if you ask me something, if you message me, I'll respond. I'm on Facebook. I don't like... I If you friend request me... Like, send me a message or something, but I will basically, yeah, accept friend requests. You don't need to know me. It's just I need to know that I don't know you if you're not to mean. Okay, yeah. So, does that that's make sense? Fine. Yeah, no, that's completely fine. That's completely fine. But, so, yeah, Twitter, um, Twitter stuff so like Bez. On, yeah, on the Facebook, I am Bez Shahriari, B-E-Z-S-H-A-H-R-I-A-R-I. Or my okay. company thing, because I didn't realize this, but Facebook doesn't allow you to have the FB in your name. And so it's Things by Bez. Anyone else? Um, no, those are the main things. Um, yeah, I'm on Board Game Geek as Bezman. Oh, on Instagram as Stuff by Bez. And yeah, that, awesome. that's the main ones. Cool. Um. This has been by far the strangest podcast I have ever done on We Are Not Wizards, mainly because, for some reason, internet decided it wanted to fight us, but we did not fall down to it. Yeah, we managed Um, to prevail, and I hope I wasn't too much of a rambler, and yeah, I know I... (laughs) <laughs> was uh, a bit one sided. I don't think I don't think you're ever going I don't think you're ever gonna beat that um, that game title. I think you're officially the biggest uh, rambler as far as game titles go. However, um this um this was very entertaining. Uh the song at the beginning was fantastic and hopefully we can bring everything together. Um if you want to keep up with what we're doing then you can go to the website, which is we'renotwizards.com or .co.uk. You can find us on Twitter, it's We're Not Wizards. You can find us on Instagram at We're Not Wizards. If you search for We're Not Wizards podcast on YouTube, you will find a plethora of uploaded episodes. We've now uploaded all the episodes that myself and Colin have done. We have started on the guest ones, the friends of the show ones. 
We're also going to do the work in progress ones. We're going to have a section on the quick start to the kickstart ones that we did with Mr. Blaine Carn mm -hmm. of Inside the Box board game. So keep an eye on that. Um, if you those were very good. If you like what you, <laughs> they were very very good fun, and it was a it was a good time. Um, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to tonight, then please drop us a review on iTunes because for some reason that is the be all and end all. And as we say, just give us a five. We deserve it after tonight's internet <laughs> shenanigans, to be perfectly honest with oh, you. Oh, so you're not going I'm to... I'm not going to do the ten and the one. No, well, don't give us a ten because it'll make us feel all big-headed, but don't give us a one because it'll make us cry. Go for somewhere in the middle. Go for a nice, lovely five, as per usual. <coughs> um, remember that we are many things. We are. But we're not but we're not wizards. We are not. Are we wizards, Bez? <sighs> if I find out that wizards has been mucking around with the internet, I'll go absolutely spare. You know, that that's what it Goodnight is. You know, we're not into that malarkey. You know, we are not <laughs> wizards. And leave it to the wizards. So we might leave it to the wizards. Mm. This has been the one, the only, the fantastic, the amazing, the super brilliant, the rambling, the fantastic blitherer who is known as the... This has been the Bezcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. I am honoured to... It has been my first podcast and it has been very enjoyable. It's been a, and it's been a bloody doozy. I bloody promise if we... If you have me on again, I will be at a place where I know the internet is a bit better. <laughs> it's fine. But until the next time, it is a goodbye from Bez. Goodbye! It is a goodbye from me. Stay safe. Roll sixes. Try word games and card games. And for goodness sake, check out what Bez is doing because it's... <laughs> Some of the best stuff you'll ever see. Um, and remember, keep an eye out for Bez Day. There will be potentially cards at your local card mm. outlet. Say goodnight, Bez. Goodnight to everyone. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye.